And welcome back, hour number two. We're going to talk this afternoon about the Salton Sea. I have invited Chuck Parker. There is a story in the Desert Sun, a very uh, in-depth piece that is headlined, Clock is Ticking on Dreams of Saving Salton Sea with Water from Mexico's Sea of Cortez. Hey, Chuck, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here today. Well, um, it's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Ever since I moved here 14 years ago, it seems like they haven't done a doggone thing except pay a lot of lip service and spend a lot of money on studies to deal with a problem that we all have spent plenty of time learning. If they don't get this thing filled back up, our home here in the Coachella Valley is going to be uninhabitable. Yes, it's a similar example, only you know a smaller lake that dried up in Northern California, Owens Lake which dried up because uh, all the water was taken from there by Los Angeles Water District in the early 1900s. That lake dried up. The river was emptied. The lake dried up, and they had horrendous dust storms for 20 years and the higher rates of lung cancer, and it, it really did destroy the environment. And we, we could be looking at a worse situation here because the Salton Sea is five times bigger than Owens Lake, and, and now you know we're in the middle of a drought, a 12-year drought, and climate change, everything is, is getting getting worse. And the state, like you said, they're just beginning to begin to do some things, but they, they put it off as long as they possibly could. Chuck, would you mind starting us off with a bit of information about the organization that you represent, the Salton Sea Coalition? Our coalition is a grassroots group that we formed about four years ago, and we're made up of community people, teachers, uh, nurses, retired people, young people, and um, people concerned about the Salton Sea problem. And we got together and looked at the problem, talked to some groups uh, that had been active before we got active, and we chose to highlight the, the solution of bringing water from Mexico because it seemed to us, the only hope of restoring the Salton Sea because it's drying up and it's drying up faster. Uh, and so we began to lobby our city councils here in the valley to support that solution because it, it seemed to us that the state agency, the Natural Resources Agency, and the Salton Sea Authority were uh, determined uh, to exclude that uh, concept. What do they want to do? Well, they have a, what they call a 10-year plan that was is just now getting underway. It was supposed to start two years ago, which is mostly small projects around the edges of the lake to either build shallow habitat for the birds and the fish or to do what they call dry mitigation of the dust, which they're relying a lot on just plowing up the dry lake bed and hoping that those furrows will slow down the, the wind as it goes across it and it won't pick up as much dust. And those projects, like I say, they're, they're right now they're just beginning to break ground on the species conservation habitat, which is a 4,000-acre uh, shallow water habitat on the south end of the sea that's been in the planning stages for over 10 years. And they're probably going to spend over $200 million on that. And then uh, they're going to do a project in North Shore called the North Lake Pilot Project, which is a little 160-acre lake. They're going to build a little berm and capture some fresh water and, and restore a small lake there around what used to be called the North Shore Yacht Club. Small little lakes, small lakes and, and habitat and some a lot of dry either plowing or covering with gravel or putting in some salt uh, 
resistant plants to control dust. But even if the 10-year plan is completed, they'll still leave over 30,000 acres of dry lake bed untreated, which is about half of it, which we don't think is good. I mean, it's still going to be a big environmental problem for everybody. So to us, if you invest the money in bringing water in, the covering that lake bottom with water is the most effective uh, way of stopping the dust. And it's also really in the long run, probably the most cost effective. And then you can also think about investing a little more money and desalinating and bringing the birds back because most of the big birds that everybody used to love are gone. The fish are mostly gone. The state had when this water, that what it was, was there was an agreement in 2003 to sell water from Imperial Irrigation District to San Diego, Los Angeles, and Coachella Valley, uh, and therefore they cut back on the amount of water they were using for agriculture, and therefore less runoff was going into the sea. So it, they gave them 15 years to do something. They They were putting extra water in for 15 years, and that ended in 2017. So as of now... There's the, the water going into the sea is more limited every year, and the amount of water they're taking out, something like 280,000 acre feet, that'll continue on every year for the next 50 years. When you, when, you, so, when you say taking out, so we're giving water from the Salton Sea to the city of San Diego? Yes. 60% of the water transfer, the biggest water transfer in the history of the United States. And How did that happen? Uh, well, it was a process that, that developed over probably 20 years where San Diego was concerned that they didn't would not have enough water in the future because they have to rely on the, the Metropolitan Water District in Los Angeles for water, and they have no water rights per se. So they began negotiations with the IID, the Imperial Irrigation District, to with and the Mission, the Metropolitan District in L.A. to buy some water from Imperial Irrigation District. And those negotiations would come along and they'd work on them and then they would collapse. And finally, in 2003, after a number of lawsuits and so on, Imperial Irrigation District, Coachella Valley Irrigation District, Metropolitan in L.A. and San Diego all came to an agreement that they would, you know, sell X amount of water from Imperial County to these water districts in the cities. It's a transfer from agriculture to urban use. Why does IID, Chuck, have the authority to steal that water out of the Salton Sea? Because the way, and I think the water rights, the laws governing water rights in California really need to be changed and updated because they're they're rooted in the late 1800s where the first person to get the water would have the water rights. And so one of the first um, groups to start taking water out of the Colorado River was the farmers of Imperial County way back in 1900, 1895. And so Imperial Irrigation District, which is all the Imperial Valley, has as much, gets as much water, a right to as much water from the Colorado River as any of the other five states on the river or Mexico. And they have, as long as they can show, according to their rules, that they're using that water in a beneficial way, um, they get to keep it. Well, the city threatened to sue, and they said, we need some of that water. You're wasting a lot of water. And they were. 
they were putting a lot of extra water on the fields to rinse the salts out and so on. And, and that benefited the Salton Sea because everything extra they put on drained into the sea. That's the only source of water for the Salton Sea is agricultural draining. Uh, didn't that also lead to a runoff that made the sea toxic from chemicals that they used in agricultural production? Yes, yes. I mean, one of our members... For a long, he's now moved away, but he was one time the the head engineer at Coachella Valley Water District, and he had worked also for water districts in the Midwest. And he said, out here the farmers don't even practice what's called uh, most uh, best practices, which is right. you don't use extra fertilizer, you don't use extra chemicals, you don't use extra water, all in the interest of conserving water and protecting you know the the groundwater. And so every year tons of of fertilizers and chemicals flow into the salton sea from both coachella valley and the imperial irrigation district and we feel that the the state water board local region seven here has not been doing their job for over 20 years in protecting that water body and a lot of it has to do with the fact that the farmers are so powerful that they got a federal law passed back in the 40s, I believe, to declare the Salton Sea an agricultural sump. So it's considered legally, in that sense, a place where you can just, they can just dump things and it's, they don't get have to clean it up, which is crazy, you know. Yeah. From the point of view of water, if you look at water as something that's necessary for people to live and it's a, it's a public resource, then everything they do is is wrong, really. I mean, right now, IID is... They pay $20 for an acre foot. That's 300,000 gallons. Yeah. That's how amount of water, you know. So they pay 20 bucks and they sell it to San Diego for 1200 They put that money in their pocket. And none of that money is available to restore the Salton Sea, which is being damaged by it and our environment. And I think that's wrong. That is wrong. Chuck, I'm, I'm just going to come out and ask you, can we fill the Salton Sea with water from the ocean? Can we get it filled back up? Yes. Yeah, there's there's no question about that. The Salton Sea is now, it's about twice as salty as the, the ocean. So when you begin to add water from the ocean, all we got to do is build a canal from the Sea of Cortez to the Salton Sea, which is about 120 miles. That's shorter than the, than the canal and pipelines that were built in the 40s to bring water from Lake Havasu area to Los Angeles. It's called the Colorado Aqueduct, and it's way shorter than the California Aqueduct, which is a series of canals and pipelines that bring water over 700 miles from Lake Shasta all the way down to Los Angeles. So it's been done many times before. Our way of life in California wouldn't even be possible without it. So it's easily, it's easily not easy, but I mean, it's something that's quite feasible. And we have a lot of engineers have a lot of experience doing that. Yeah, it can be filled and and maintained at that level. How long would it take to make such a, a beast work? Well, negotiating all the agreements to to make it happen is probably would take the most time. And it really would depend on how much support the public has for that to happen uh, expeditiously. The actual construction would probably take about two years. And then the estimate is that it would take, you know, with water flowing at the rate of a million and a half acre feet a year, it would take about five years to refill it, and then you'd have a surplus capacity, which could be desalinated, and you could augment the supply of fresh water that's now shrinking, you know, from the from the Colorado River. 
And so a, a number of people in the city councils, like uh, last year or in 2019, um, Dana Hobart uh, suggested that we begin the administrative work right now because you'd look in if, if five years to do the administrative work, two years construction and five years to fill it, that's 12 years if you really started in earnest right now. And to tell you the truth, the, the what from what I've seen with the de- state of California Department of Natural Resources, it's like you enter some kind of a time warp or something, some kind <laughs> of twilight zone where things move like gla- at a glacial pace. Right. You, know? you wonder how do they maintain the highways? How do they? How do you? How does anything work if that's how the state works? It must be, you know, peculiar to the salt and sea, but because it. <laughs> It takes years, you know, years to get permits to do things. Do you think that part of that is because it's just us in little old desert cities not being, you know, part of a big metropolitan area where if this was knocking on their back door like it really is ours, they'd be a hell of a lot more motivated? Well, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm totally convinced of that. And that's been one of our problems. And another one of our problems is that they have not, the people who have had the authority to do something have not really reached out to the, to the local governmental agencies or people, the cities and so on, to, to enlist their aid. I mean, we went to the city councils and the ray of hope in all of this to me is that we got almost unanimous support from every city council in the valley. Out of all of some 50-some city council people, only two voted against that resolution to support ocean water import, and that they're Democrats and Republicans. This is an issue that, at least locally, bipartisan completely. There, you know, there's no division that that's, I've seen. That's actually pretty nice to hear that they understand yeah. these things that are going to impact people in their everyday and long-term lives. That they have to get on board with this. So, do you mind if I ask who the naysayers were? Well, it was one of the very first. The second city council that we went to, um, without much preliminary work, was Palm Desert. In, in, it was actually Valentine's Day 2019, and the two council people who didn't support it were Sabby Jonathan and Lisa Marie Weber, and they all had their own reasons. Sabby Jonathan said, well, I'm just tired of passing resolutions and seeing nothing happen. So you can understand, okay, I understand why he was frustrated and why he voted that way. And Susan Marie Weber was just kind of misinformed. She said she was afraid that maybe we'd import some animals from the ocean into the Salton Sea that would be detrimental, like sharks and things. Oh, brother. So, but, 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 but we had Jan Harnick, who is a very active Republican, and Gina Nestandi all supported it wholeheartedly. And from there, you know, it was all... It was all 100%. Chuck, one of the things that I read with interest in the story today in the Desert Sun was that they had reached out to various officials in the state and at the federal level, and it seems like nobody has had a conversation yet with counterparts on the Mexican side of the border. This is a binational issue and would certainly have to have sign-off from Mexico City and officials within Baja, California. So how do we get that process going, and and what do you think happens on that front? Well, we know from talking with uh, several of the companies who put in proposals to import water that they have been talking to water officials and other officials and businesses in Mexico 
and that the people and generally the attitude in Mexico is that they're open to the idea of a project as long as it will benefit, there will be some benefits to the people living in Mexico. The, the, uh, the, the problem is that the, the state officials, the political officials, haven't been willing to, to, take those converse, to, to make those conversations. Why do you think and, that uh, is? I be- well, I believe it's because ever since the problem was, ever since the state took on responsibility for restoring the Salton Sea in 2003, uh, no one at the state level has wanted to consider importing water from Mexico. They've, the, the way they've approached it is they have done uh, millions of dollars worth of feasibility studies. And then uh, the state auditor's office points out that none of the feasibility studies even address the issue of where to get the money, how to finance it. So how serious were they about solving the problem if they didn't start talking about financing it? And because the money wasn't available, then they, they said, well, we'll just have to build these projects as the money becomes available. And so that they, they were in no hurry. They gave themselves, you know, uh, as long as the water transfer is taking place, we got 75 years to work on this. So there's just never an urgency felt on the part of the people who were responsible for the problem to, to deal with it. Hey, we've got an emergency here. Let's deal with it. To me, this seems like think, as big of a boondoggle as that doggone bullet train through the Central Valley. Yeah. Well, it may be, yeah, it's more longstanding, too. And uh, that's why a, a number of people that are in our group and other people believe that uh, it, it, it's going to be necessary, as either a, probably at a federal level, to dis- to declare a state of emergency and appoint someone with the authority and the insight and the willpower to push through a solution. Imperial County declared a state of emergency last winter uh, because of health. And they asked the governor to make it a statewide, you know, to make it a state declaration of emergency, which would have brought more funds to bear on the problem and it would have gotten things done quickly. And he wouldn't do it. And the supervisor from Imperial County got the idea because he saw some people fixing Highway 111 down there. And he says, hey, how'd you guys how'd you guys get this going? And they said, well, they declared it an emergency. So that's one thing. Another thing I think is we need to start calling and writing our elected officials, Congressman Ruiz, uh, Assemblyman Garcia, Manuel Perez, uh, whoever we can think of, to to get to get the Salton Sea on the map. Like it, our it, new Senator Padilla has done some really good proposals for the environment, but he doesn't have hasn't yet said anything about the Salton Sea. He may not know about it. It's not that we don't have Raúl Ruiz's notice towards the Salton Sea, but. And when reading the article today in the Desert Sun, it it seems like his stock response about the Salton Sea is, I've got bigger things to deal with right now. Really? Because this seems like a pretty big health and economic and agricultural crisis in the making. Well, it is. And, and we're happy, we're, we're gratified that the Congressman Ruiz has finally introduced a bill, uh, the Salton Sea Environment and Health Protection Act, it's in Congress now, and it would bring bring about a comprehensive uh, health study at the Salton Sea, which would, would be wonderful because it would give us some hard data to argue the case with. But he's been very he's he, I think he's very cautious about what he you know, the stands he takes. 
and probably because he's you know he wants to get reelected. But this is something. But he has told our our friends that. The things that he's going to act on first are to do with public health. So I just think we have to keep whispering in his ear or whatever it takes to let him know that this is, you know, you've gone one step and this health study is a good thing and we'll support you. But we need to we need to go further and we need to go quicker. And I think he's been influenced. uh, You know, he's been surrounded by people from the Natural Resources Agency and the Salt Sea Authority, sort of the old guard who have been telling him that we don't need to talk about water import. That's a distraction. We can solve it with these rim lakes and with this other stuff. And the problem is complicated. And really, the problem is simple. We got to add water and we got to desalinate it. That's it, you know. Yep. And yep. if we focus on that and, and just keep insisting, then that's the only hope as far as I can tell. Yeah, I mean, everything else seems like, again, just a bunch of lip service. It disappoints me to hear about throwing more money at more studies. I mean, I'm glad if it helps get the ultimate goal achieved, but it's like we don't have time for a lot of studies. They have studied this thing to the nth degree, and it is time to take the action that is needed, which is to refill the damn sea. Right. They had 11 engineered proposals three years ago and they've done nothing with them and they're going to put it off another year because they, they they're going to do a study so it's obvious they're delaying you know yeah and our concern is that that study is just going to be a pretext you know of with a precon- preconceived conclusion that it's not feasible where does manny perez and eduardo garcia where do they stand on this well Eduardo, I mean, Manny Perez has a- actually been uh, uh, fighting us all the way on this. He's got his own pet project, uh, his concept of building a north lake at the at this end of the Salton Sea, you know, building a little dike around it and making a, a freshwater lake there, which would then stimulate development and so on. But they don't even know if they got enough water to do that. But in every single, in every city council that we went to, he sent one of his staff people to oppose us. So we had to overcome that because, you know, the county supervisor is a powerful guy and he controls funds and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But then after the resolution is passed and you go and you meet up with him in a meeting, he'll be, well, you know, I'm not necessarily opposed to water import. It might be a good idea. Well, then how come you've been fighting us in every single meeting? And Eduardo Garcia is sort of the same way. He'll say, no, I'm not opposed to it, you know, in principle, but. I don't think anybody in Mexico would even think about that. We need to take a look at this thing as a massive California regional thing that affects all of Southern California. And and I hope that people will take some action. So as one of the people who is leading this push, how do you feel that uh, the folks who are within the sound of our voice can lend their support best to getting this ship turned around in a very small river? Well, I would just encourage them to start contacting their elected officials and get in touch with our coalition. And just if you care about a meeting about the Salton Sea, go to it and express your opinion that, hey, let's make let's solve this problem as quick as we can. Let's make it simple. Let's bring water in and let's desalinate it and let's don't mess around. And we don't have another 15 years to throw away. How do we get involved with the Salton Sea Coalition? How do we get information? Is there a Facebook group, a web page? How do we do that? Well, right now we're, we're sort of informally organized, but we have an email. It's saltonseacoalition99 at gmail.com. And there's also my email, which is pchuck48 at 
gmail.com. Or, you know, if anyone calls you, you can refer them to me. And we're, we're trying to mount a media campaign and make a film. We want to make a film of officials in Mexico who are willing to talk about this so that when Eddie Garcia or Manuel Perez says there's nobody in Mexico who cares about this, we can say, watch this movie. Here it is. Absolutely. I think we can do it. So thank you so okay. much for taking the time to talk with us. I look forward to doing it again. And you're a great guest and resource. And thankfully, you're there doing the work that you're doing on behalf of everybody who lives here in the Coachella Valley. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon, Chuck Parker. Thank you. Thanks for doing what you do. It's, it's a great service.